Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f*** we want. Welcome back to another episode of the Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. Today we bring on Anthony Lee. Anthony has been on the pod a few times now, but this is the first time that he's on by himself. Anthony's obviously co-founder of the Kinjas. This time we talk a lot about arena. So arena dance competition started in Chengdu, China with our partner Sino Stage. And Anthony goes into the origin stories of uh, how that competition even kind of came about, the inspiration behind it, why we even wanted to create it, and the evolution of what it is today, how it's now in three countries. Um, we are bringing it back to L.A. Uh, this coming July. This is our second one. And the, for the first time, we're bringing Arena Kids here. Um, he talks about um, a lot of the artistic inspiration behind it to why we even wanted to create a competition amongst all the other amazing competitions that are currently in our dance community space. But what Arena is to us and what uh, the identity of what it is and how we want to keep pushing it in our community um, and in the authentic way that Kinjas can push it. So a lot of good um, backstory to where Arena is now and what you guys can expect And uh, Anthony also gets into his current headspace as an artist, as a creative, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. He doesn't very he doesn't talk very much about himself in any, any other space. So I think this is a really good one because uh, kind of made him talk about himself because he's that type of leader. He always puts other people in front of him and he loves to highlight others. But in this time, um, this is a really good look on how Anthony thinks and uh, what motivates him, what inspires him. And especially now, you know, as he just recently turned 33, where his current headspace is. So it's a really good inspirational talk. Always a good lightning round at the end. And uh, just a really good, deep look at Anthony Lee. So let's hop into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. Today, folks, we have Anthony Lee. Boo! If you don't know who he is yet, you should probably turn away because why are you even listening to the Kinjas Podcast? Anthony is a co-founder of the Kinjas and most notably the founder of the hashtag Anthony Challenge. What's up, Ant? What's up, guys? How was life, bro? Life is crazy right now. Life is crazy? What's going on? Uh, I just turned 33. Hey! Thank you, thank you, go. thank you everybody out there who's secretly singing happy birthday Honest to me. grown man, let's go. Um, I think the 30s are such a fun time of life for me. Uh, I feel like there's that invisible switch that's on the back of your head, you know what I mean? When like you hit 30, there's this like thing that's been sitting there for like 30 years that yeah. you never even knew existed. Like you don't even like have like level five clearance access to this thing and suddenly when you turn 30 it like switches and then suddenly like you're a grown-ass adult like there's really no excuse anymore uh and uh the things that you start experiencing right you know how when they say like life doesn't get easier you just get stronger i think that things you experience are just like way more extreme so like this year has been like full of like the most intense life experiences um surrounding me right whether it be like the highs of like uh, people getting pregnant, people getting married, people getting engaged, people having birth. My sister's about to have her second kid. Um, yeah. To to the unfortunate side of it, you know, like um, people passing away and, mm-hmm. and, and people like getting hit with certain like sicknesses and stuff like that. So um, I think everything is so intense that anything that's not at that level of extreme is not that it's like gray area or muted or anything like that. But in a sense, there is kind of a little bit of that like there are such 
more powerful things going on in mm-hmm. life that uh, everything else is kind of, I don't know. It, it, it's just in a cool, hazy cloud of your 30s, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? When yeah. you're trying to, like, find yourself, you're just trying to stick to your hustle, you're still trying to, like, figure out your own life goals, but then you're getting, like, thrown into a life of, of perspective once something else extreme happens to somebody close to you or whatever in good or bad ways. So it's it's really, really intense dang what a way to start it off that's i know right up. that's, that's what's up yeah, it's because we took hey, a couple shots right 30s, before we started. It, it gets real well I, I i always forget that when your birthday rolls around it's such a heavy season of like kinja's world stuff most often you're in china yeah and you're always celebrating a birthday in china while doing arena which is like a whirlwind of like everything from yeah. producing that show to doing a ton of other side stuff while you guys are out there um, but we just finished Arena Chengdu. You just got back a few weeks ago, celebrated your 33rd out there. What was that like? It was the sickest. It was actually probably one of my favorite birthdays in the last like decade. Um, they, uh, I didn't think 33 was anything crazy special. I was just like, all right, here's another Arena. Here's another birthday. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm super thankful because I'm around like you know a lot of my really, really, like, close friends and coworkers and stuff like that. Uh, I'm at the dojo in China, so there's definitely, like, a fantastical experience to, like, be some somewhere so important to you. Um, but at the same time, like, what I didn't expect was, like, uh, everybody to get dressed up in, like, traditional princess garbs, you know, Chinese princess garbs, and, like, they, they threw me in a king outfit. They had a – some fans sent me a giant cake that – I don't know why, and you know, I love my fans. Thank you to my fans, but they sent me this giant cake with like huge breasts on it. It was like a, a woman's body of a cake. It was circular still, but you would have huge. For those of you guys who are listening, you can't see me. I'm gesturing these giant palm sizes. Like if you're going down the five freeway, and then on the right side, you know what I mean, on the five south on the way to San Diego, you see those giant power plants. It's like that for a cake, and there's even like these like lacy looking underwear at the bottom. So I like caked myself because I knew somebody was going to make me motorboat it anyway, but that happened. Um, you you uh, Antoine-ed that as I did, well. I did. You, did. you got to beat people to the curb. I knew somebody <laughs> was thinking about it, so I had to do it to myself first. Had to win that one. There was a very traditional, uh, like kind of uh, national kept secret with the way they do those like mask change dances. You ever seen those ones where yes. they do like quick yeah. changes yeah. of their masks? Um, and we watched that live and honestly got all of our minds blown. It was the most intense thing. We totally need to hire these people for like a Kinder show. Um, there, yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of good times. A lot of uh, a lot of just being around, laughter, joy. People were just smiling, you know what I mean, and screaming in, in good times and stuff. And I think it's the best you could ask for. Um, but yeah, on the note of like constantly being out in China every single year for for Arena China, throwing like one of the biggest events that we ever do uh, all year long. Um, Always spending my birthday out there is, is definitely an experience. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Arena. So I, I would consider you one of the co-founders of Arena. I mean, you and, and Coco and Sino Stage, like you guys decided to start this show, what, 2015 was it? 14? 15. 2015 was the first one. Yeah. Yeah. So what what is Arena and how, how did it get birthed and like where we can go to where it's at now? But let's talk about Arena. What is that? Yeah. I mean... um, at the time, actually, it was 2014. Uh, this all starts pretty much with the same story that uh, really begins uh, our even journey with like 
China and Sino stage. But um, there was this time period where uh, Coco, the the founder and CEO of Sino stage out in China, who is totally just like my sister soulmate from like the motherland. Um, she was reaching out to just, uh, back then she was just like, she just opened up like one of her studios. She was just reaching out to host like workshops and organize, uh, like dance camps and classes and stuff like that with foreign teachers that come to China. But the rap on China at that time, the reputation that they had for, especially for like dance teachers to go out there was not not a good one. There was a lot, number one, uh, off the get-go, and this is like no offense to uh, the nation of China, but like um, it's not necessarily, especially from a Westerner's point of view, like your immediate vacation destination type of location. You know what I mean? When, especially when like at the time, the competing events and major dance uh, camps and, and events and, and all that stuff around the world was really happening in Europe. So like Coco was having this really hard time trying to get people to come out to China um, and there was a lot of people in China that weren't like paying um, people who were going out there. So like it was, they would invite, and, and this was a generation where this would happen in a, a number of random places um, to some of the first choreographers that would go out there and teach. But there was a number of situations where people would go out to China, do their work and then like get left or like not get paid and then have to find their own way back home or be st stuck in a situation or another country where they didn't speak the language and whatnot. So um, people were not, super down uh to to respond or be eager to respond to go out there and uh, i just happened to be one of the i guess the only person according to coco that like was willing to respond to her i think for me i was like super in touch with trying to get um an experience back in china or in china i'd never been there even though uh you know um, by blood i am chinese um but uh I guess I just was, it was just right time, right place. I just happened to respond. I was like, yo, like, let me go out there. I really want to, like, check out the motherland. And, you know, I'm going to take a chance on this this girl who, you know, like, hasn't gotten a chance to work with a lot of people. But I don't know. I just I just believe in the energy. I'm getting through these emails and Facebook messages. So I'm going to try it out. So I go out there. I meet her. She's phenomenal. Um, hospitality uh, is another level out there. She kind of, like, sh really... Out of all the countries I've ever been to, she was just, like, the number one person to, like, be a human being and a friend to take care of you. You know what I mean? Regardless of the fact that, honestly, I probably lost her money the first time I went out there. You know what I mean? Um, and, but she was just so cool. She was just such a great energy. She was so ambitious. And was, there was an energy that I could relate to. Um, really driven. I, I knew that I wanted to achieve certain things through this journey. She wanted to achieve certain things that were... Um, fortunately, non-competitive, very complimentary to the way that we would shape it together. And then I told her at that time, I was like, yo, you got to bring the Kinjas out. Like, there's a bunch of other people, peers of mine that are like oftentimes better than me at certain things. Uh, they definitely do different styles and you got to bring their energy out here. There's this dude, John Shi. You have to meet him. He actually speaks Chinese, so you're going to have a great time talking to him and being able to converse. Um, he designs all of our stuff, all of our logos. He, he directs all of our videos. He designs our clothing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it, it was just like this. this it was like, um, it's like riffing, you know what I mean? We were just riffing off of each other's energy and just like taking one thing to the next level. And she always was down. She always met the challenge or the ambition and then when we came back in October 2014, I brought Pat, Mike, Bam, uh, and John Shi. And that's when we did like our Shaolin Temple video and stuff like that. And we like toured to like five cities in China and everybody else was 
finally like understanding what I was talking about when I was like, yo, you got to trust this girl, Coco. She's crazy, but crazy good. Mm-hmm. And then I remember sitting down at the old studio in Chengdu, her old Sinusage studio. Uh, and we're up in the top office area. Um, and uh, we were just, I don't know if we were drunk or if it was just, I don't know. We, I feel like we got drunk every night and we were just talking crazy things. Right. But yeah, we, we just started talking about, you know what I mean? Like the Chinese dance community, different ambitions and dreams that we all had. Um, be, being in like the urban dance world and the urban dance community, we, we often kind of came from a scene that involved like these large stage and large scale dance competitions for teams and collegiate teams and street teams that had like 30 plus people on them. And they wanted to bring that energy in our way, the way that we kind of like curated it in the West coast. They wanted to bring that type of vibe to China. She, she you know, Coco had visions uh, of doing that. She, that year also happened, I think to be the year that KOD stopped running in China as well. So they also lost a specific type of thing. Um, so the market was, undesirable to a lot of people fresh uh and untapped in a certain way but at the end of the day when you think about like the amount of people in china that are like picking up on this new generation of what it means to like enjoy dance and dance media it's like it was something that somebody had to do something and Coco was super willing sinus stage was super willing and then she was just like yo we got to do a dance competition out here and um i remember at that time uh, she was like, she's like, should we bring Vibe out here? And I was like, um, still working with Jason Park and, and the staff uh, of Vibe um, during that time because I was constantly hosting and, and helping out a little bit on the back end. Um, shout out to all the other Vibe producers. Um, but at that time, even I remember talking to Jason, uh, the director of Vibe, and the idea of expanding and going out to other countries was uh, oftentimes difficult. One, by way of like, uh, even with the back end of vibe and the amount of people that are involved with it there's uh it's a little bit more complicated to like be able to make final decisions i wasn't that type of person that had the authority to make those decisions um and at the same time it was still kind of like finding its own legs again back in our own community uh, by by way of like the different i guess things that were happening on the back end um still on the front end a very amazing one of the best competitions that we've ever been able to be you know blessed with um but and any company, any successful company has like, you know, uh, their times and their issues on the back end. And I think during that time, we were still trying to get back up on our feet mm-hmm. from some of the back end issues that we had. Um, and on top of that, Jason was living in New York at the time. So the idea of expanding but not being like present in those places um, was a job that I would have had to do. And I had also just experienced um, just a bunch of different dance competitions around the world. And the quality of so many dance competitions at that time was just so either like fully business minded so you can tell that it wasn't either about the art or wasn't like progressive art forward maybe it was like formulaic in the way that people were trying to win maybe they saw a certain type of standard or mentality or or a type of trend that was happening um during like television shows or your hip-hop international stages or your world of dance events or or the latest choreo cookie set that happened you know what i mean and everybody was just copying everything and thinking that there was a formula to win to like attain some sort of success and fame and we were trying our best to just find out what it is uh in this age was the same thing that we fell in love with when we started Mm -hmm. and when somebody was like standing in front of me asking like hey like i want to start a competition for the community out here in china but like i want it to be just the best version 
like that was a a rare and unique opportunity for us to all sit down and be like, well, what do we think is the best version of this? Mm-hmm. Like, what what is this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, what made these events our favorite things to go to? What made them the most credible around the world? What pushed us to our limits? Um, what evolved our ability to put together shows? And, and we just literally dove into this huge conversation of like, what would be the ideal space for a performer or a creative of our nature to exhibit and express ourselves. It wasn't about like, let's make the biggest, most successful competition in the world. I mean, that's all part of the branding and marketing to be like, hey, if we want the best artistry, we're gonna need the best players in the game. But at the time it was based off the idealisms of what we found to be impertinent to like us honestly and authentically expressing the highest form of art that we could all do Mm. through like urban dance choreography and large team expression. Yeah. yeah, that that's kind of in a nutshell, like how the conversation started. And literally once we came to some sort of like hype conclusion that night, again, probably alcohol induced a little bit and just been like, yo, we got to start our own competition yeah. that like we can be in control of ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like that was the most like important thing in order to help preserve and protect anything that you think is important you know what i mean like you got to create your own rules you got to create your own standard you got to create uh your own everything about it to encourage people to understand like more the culture and the philosophy of the foundation of what that thing is about versus just another competition hitting the calendar yeah i think something that i i from an observational standpoint from seeing the first arena um, again, I wasn't there, so I was observing it from the viewer's point of view. So, you know, viewing it on YouTube or, you know, um, yeah, just from that perspective, I was just like, wow, I, I, could, I already sensed that this was a different show format. And it was exciting because I felt like there was a lot more creativity and there was a lot more sort of fun injected into it versus, because I mean, like you said, we come from the scene, the the dance community scene, from the body rocks, the vibes, to the fusions, to the, you know, even the Busta grooves before there was a body rock, right? So like we, we've kind of grown up seeing the the dance competition format. And, and I think what I loved about it was we come from that. It's not like we are this, you know, corporation that sees a tv show is like how do we recreate this in a live show format or like we're this like we do you know car shows and then now we want to do a dance version of it like you know what i'm saying like we are authentically from that culture that has competed to showcasing to even being involved on the production side so i think when i was looking at when arena happened i was like yo this is community but to the next level and it's in there is a um, an authentic uh, preservation of what was real within our scene and then like just a newer version of, I feel like personality, you know what I mean? I feel like we were not afraid. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't even say we at this point because I'm kind of still just like on the outside looking in. I felt like there was a um, a fresh vibe to it that felt like I can already get on board there wasn't this like what is this new show amongst all these other shows that are out there now this is like no this feels right you know what i mean so yeah i just felt like from even the the um audience perspective it was definitely a fresh sort of new spin uh that comes from a very real place for sure i mean and again like um 
it everything evolved. You know what I mean? Nothing was like I'm I'm not gonna sit here and be like, yo, like we made the most brand new, illest, best, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like it, it, we're all we're a product of our the time we were born. You know what I mean? We were in control of a lot of things. Like um and, and we just happened to fall in love with this thing. We found each other through this thing and uh we wanted to evolve this thing, right? Somebody once said the idea of like, for example, uh market like the age that you're in. You know what I mean? We're talking about social media and technology being at a time frame where things are exponentially evolving in such a way that like if I were to do the same type of marketing or social media campaigns as three years ago, I'd be outdated because of the way that things have shifted, whether it be the change in like technical algorithms to the way the society perceives and receives feed information. Things just evolve and change. And so it's like we took the same culture and energy and feeling and passion that we all came from in that time frame, you know, when we were dancing 10, 20 years ago, and then the idea of it was optimizing it for today's world making sure that was uh, um, better lighting and better production, making sure that uh, the, the, the team, like vibrancy that captures it, captures it in a better way than it's ever been caught before. So the artistry lives forever. Content lives forever. Even for the live experience, using the audience, like they would get one experience, but at this type of age, we have to recognize that content lives forever. When we literally were first competing in the scene, it, it was a lucky thing to have somebody who lug in their giant camera or bring a tripod through their pants, remember that? And have to film a tech rehearsal. Like that was the best you would get. And and, and, and there would be 1.3 gigabyte files that you have to download from that'sfresh.com. You know what I'm saying? And it's like the hardest thing to like have footage of these legendary moments that shifted the culture or changed people's lives. And now today, you could have the worst thing in the world get super viral and be like the norm or be like the, the lesson to everybody who doesn't really understand the niche of our culture. There's nothing to get mad at that about. It's just a matter of like playing to today's generation and age. And I think Arena was one of the, um, was one, is a starting point is all I'm saying. It was a starting point for our culture and our community to take the way that we perceived and understood dance competition format and urban dance co choreography competition culture and bring it to a level that spoke in today's timeline in today's generation prioritizing a certain type of thing for example i don't personally believe arena is about like the illest competition i think the illest competition is one one feature of what the arena brand and the mission is really about yeah. right it's why we started arena kids for the first time this year um not just in competition but also in showcases right you always have like a, a ba beautifully balanced mix of like high level competition and high level exhibition showcases in order to also set the bar and the standard for what the culture stands at at the moment whether it be a solo performing artist whether it be a director or a choreographer who's bringing on a group of people or whether it's a small group or team like you want to have a competitive edge and you want to have the non-competitive edge that like really shows what the level is at. And we're always seeking and searching and doing our due diligence to scout out the freshest talent in this culture um, and to give the urban dance voice a platform, a microphone, because it doesn't have a formal one. Um, so like I think aside from just competition, like we're always going to dedicate ourselves to making sure the illest performances at any cost happen on our stage and you won't get that a lot of other competitions you're not going to get cloud even to necessarily get a, a, a seven plus minute show at like a red bull bc1 or something like that because it's just not the format you don't really have a lot of like major 
platforms that allow for this level of creativity because they're, they're going to be caught up in some sort of like legal bound uh, where like music rights are a thing or, 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 or uh, content IP ownership is going to be a, uh, an argument between the artist and the production company or uh, you know production budget is going to be a line item that makes it so everybody's going to have some sort of like fair slash unfair chance at producing something yeah. and it's like that's a normal thing and I totally accept that it's just if that exists then we also need other stages to yeah. exist you know i think something that I, i'm realizing now i'm, I'm jumping ahead now because i'm referencing this most recent arena Chengdu, and again from the the perspective of like seeing what's happening and like what what sort of performances and what sort of acts were put on stage you mentioned cloud being out there and um i think growing up in the in the scene the community scene the competition circuit you're you're used to a time limit and you're you're kind of seeing a sort of cookie cutter format between every act that gets put on stage, and um, and it's still great stuff, but it's, you know you, you just kind of know what to expect. And I think this past arena, seeing what was going down, I was just like, holy crap! There's just such a variety of offering. Um, it kind of reminded. It kind of I I would compare it to something like a like a Coachella even because I think when when you when you got Coachella, which is a music festival, in some sense, there's a format there too, right? There's a stage performance, there's a set time, and you know, some people will bring on major theatrics like Beyonce with like a freaking full-on, you know, marching band sort of thing. Um, and so there's things like that happen. And then you got Kanye that's like, I'm gonna do a Sunday service. I'm gonna have them build me a freaking mountain, you know, at like the butt crack of dawn. Yeah. And yeah. um, and it's just like we got to do it. Like, and, there's and no way that we're not going to. With, I think that's what you get when you have the artists collaborating with the event yeah. production. Yeah. And I think that's, again, a very different format. And that doesn't always work in the competition sector. We'll always do our best to keep it fair, but to be able to promote and allow for artistry to live in any realm. Mm -hmm. So if, like, somebody has some sort of, like, ridiculous request in order to try and do something we're going to ridiculously try to make it happen so long as it's within the parameters of fair competition but when we're talking about our exhibition showcases like that's a huge thing we want to collaborate with our artists in order to create something that has never been seen before you know what i mean if that means stretching the time limit if that means bringing in high level and expensive production if that means collaborations that you would never see in any other place like we want that more than yeah. we want just a good competition yeah. because at the end of the day content lives forever and the art is going to be the most referenced element of like what we're creating here yeah, so we so we started it in Chengdu, and then we expanded into other countries, right? So we went into Singapore. Uh, we did LA for the first time last year. So um, was that kind of the initial vision to kind of have different satellite arenas all throughout the globe, or how did that kind of come about? Well, I mean, to not to get too philosophical, but to I think to, to like dive into understanding objective, and and again, the whole journey is organic. I think it'd be easy to be like, yes. We, we want to expand and do X, Y, Z. But I think first we have to like take into account what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like before saying that like we reached our goal and now we're the multi-international branded uh, premier dance event um, and camp and can jam battle and, you know, whatever. Like before we even get to that, it's like, what's the outcome of all this? Because like 
I'm gonna keep it straight up. Arena is a money losing business. If anybody like thinks that we're out there because you know we're throwing these events because it's like doing something for us, uh, I promise you now it does more for the community than it does for us, whether people recognize it or not. You can do the math yourself. Thinking about the amount of seats versus the cash prize alone. You know what I mean? Uh, the multiple cash prizes to the to the price of the venue to 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 hiring every technician or event staff or like lighting designer or whatever to make this whole thing work slash like the team that has to like work for three to four months out of the year for each individual arena, add in kids, add in the camp, add in everything. I mean, it's it's legacy, right? Like if you if you're gonna ask me personally, I think the outcome is legacy. At the end of the day, we want to feel like we did something impactful, and the best way to do it in a positive way is to impact other people. So the more people that we can impact, whether it's through arena or through kinjas or whatever, I think the more successful it becomes. So long as we can keep our head above water while we're doing it and have a good time. Um, to be blunt, kinjas can only impact so many people who are down for a bunch of grown-ass Asian men who happen to like, you know, uh, uh, really Asian things and, and dance our way or whatever. You know, at the end of the day, only so many people are going to be affected or be into what we do. But in the dance world, which is already niche as fuck anyway, um, something like Arena stands for so much wider of a group of people it's yeah. way more inclusive anybody anybody can step in the arena whether you're in the audience or whether you're on the stage whether you're a kid or whether you're a girl or a boy whether you're a judge and you're you've seen your time or whether you're somebody who's uh, being being awarded the rising star award and, and you're about to to run your era you know like it's it's meant for everybody to evolve and to preserve and and, and just be a part of an experience so i think if we can accomplish that, then whatever direction that we have to do that to accomplish that while accomplishing everything else we set out to do in life is what's going to happen. So I don't know what that's going to be, but I mean, it's definitely bigger than we ever thought we it would ever be. So thank you to the rest of the world. But I also know we're just getting started with like what this journey of legacy is supposed to be about. Yeah, so I think what's really dope too, and and now coming from like the inside perspective of uh, the building of the future of it um, and the new elements that are being added to it. You mentioned Kin Jam, you mentioned Arena Kids, and um, and you also mentioned that this isn't this, you know, gigantic money-making scheme, right? Like this is something that we're doing for our culture. And I think um, what I love about our how we're structuring it and the elements that we pour into it um and the quality of uh not only the quality of performance that goes into each showcase but the quality that goes be goes on behind the scenes that we don't try to cut corners we're not trying to you know what i'm saying like trying to do anything that's going to um shortchange anybody in any kind of way and i think when we talk about doing things for our culture um if the people within the culture don't treat one another and build the platform that um, is esteemed in a certain type of way, like who else is going to do it, right? And I think for us, I know that because we've grown up in this scene and, and of course, shout out to literally every, um, every, every team, every organization, every show that came before us to kind of lay the groundwork. But, you know, I know that for, you know, for ourselves as Kinjas, we, we kind of take it upon ourselves to recognize like, yo, we, we're kind of holding the torch in, in a lot of ways where um, when you have to recognize that 
and then be responsible with it. And then how are we going to pave the future, pave the way for the future if we're not doing it in a in the best way that we can? Sure. And so I love that, you know, you mentioned, I mean, not the flex or stunt, but I mean, we talk about a cash prize. That was unheard of back in the days when we were, you know, we were just trying to get a plastic trophy. You know what I mean? Like that was really the, it's all for the bragging right and all that. And not to say that it's not that anymore because it still is. But there's a lot of just, you know, you're talking about production elements. Like it costs money to build these sets and have these props and costumes and, you know, all these, you know, lighting and this and that. And so to recognize the, the costs that go into it to award, um, that's sort of a prestigious uh, cash prize as well as the, the, the pride and, and the bragging sure. rights, right? And, and I think, again, like back to that word again, like what, what is the outcome? Right. Not not just for us throwing it, but even for like people that are trying to compete in this thing, like not to say anybody should be just doing it for the money. But at the same time, if that's what you're fueled by, then like more power to you. I don't really care either, you know, as long as you are authentic to yourself. But um, like, you know, there are competitions out there that like you only pay to play. And if you win, it is just bragging rights, even in today's age. And that's again. I don't really care. That's all good and dandy. But I'm just thinking about, again, outcome. Like, what are really people doing? People are fighting at a chance here to live the taste of a dream of what it means to, like, not necessarily always just have dance sustain you, but to live a life of being able to dance. And sometimes in order to do that, you need to sustain yourself to do that. It's not necessarily you're doing this to sustain yourself. You're, you're doing this because you love it. And in order to keep doing it, you need to sustain yourself. So like with dancers, it's like if you're going to like travel from another country or or if you're just down the block, you know what I mean? You put all your eggs in this basket, whether it be in your costumes or your props or whatever. Um, that like you're hoping for as much return as possible. One, in experience and joy in fair competition, you want to believe the judges that are judging you are like really prestigious, credible people. You want to believe that you're on the best stage. You want to be on the best stage. It's got to be big. It's got to be nice. It's got to be fresh. Uh, it's either got to have some sort of like epic, regal feeling or vibe, or it's just got to be state of the art and, and, and with the illest, you know what I mean, in production to bring your, your artistry to life. Um, you want to have opportunity after, like, should you win? Like, like, even if you win, it's like, you win to who? Are you winning to, like, a, you know, 200 people out there in the world? Or are you winning out to a live audience of, like, 5,000 plus, like, a million plus who are live streaming in? And then, like, when that video goes online afterwards, it's like, are people even going to be touched by your artistry or feel something? Is the channel that it's going out on even reaching people in today's generation, cutting through the noise of all the stuff that's happening? Um, what other outcome is there? If you are winning, are you going to be recognized in such a way that like afterwards you're, you're entering yourself into a network full of what? Full of international dance studios, other events throughout the year and recurring events, both in the kids and adult demographics, a camp where maybe your choreographers or directors are going to find themselves being able to teach in one day in multiple countries. Like we're trying to build a lifestyle that people can be a part of. And if you really want to dive in and give everything you can, then you can stay in this lifestyle and have a good time doing it and hopefully sustain yourself while spreading art. I think like that's the outcome that people are looking for than when they really come to hit that stage. You know what I'm saying? Or at least the ones that most matter in the long run. Everybody is going to be able to come in and enjoy themselves and step out. And we're going to have those people. They're going to be some of the best people in the world. But for the people that are really trying to ride and go all the way, like, outcome right and we're hoping not just through arena but by the ecosystem that the kin just taps all of our efforts and energy in. you already know this is just to make sure that lifestyle is preserved in an idealistic way that continues to promote healthy 
and, and habitual artistry being created year after year. Yeah, last year, so we did our first ever arena on our home soil. We did Arena LA at the Ace Theater, or the the United Artists Theater at the Ace Hotel. That, to me, was, um, it was really exciting, scary and exciting. Um, both kind of go hand in hand, because I feel like, you know, when we're in China, you know, Sino Stage being as gangster as they are, and just being able to kind of just do the magic that they do, but this one was kind of like our first time where we're like, okay, we kind of have to pull up and 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 do our thing. And um, I mean, just maybe I'm biased, I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm kind of even basing it off of the the response from the people that not only participated from the the audience uh, audience members to seeing the the comments and stuff online. Um, it was an amazing show, and, and I'm so glad that we we did it at the Ace Theater, the Ace Hotel. I mean, such like a legendary like LA landmark. And um, so this year we're doing our second one. We're we're at the Soraya at uh, in Cal State Northridge. Um, it's a beautiful freaking venue, and I think I'm so excited to bring it there because of just what that place is going to be able to house, and and the 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 from the production to everything. Um, and then there's also arena kids that we're bringing to LA and, you know, for the first time, the camp that follows. So, uh, what can people kind of expect with, um, this new arena LA coming up this year? Oh man. Um, like again, like I mentioned earlier, stiff competition and high level exhibition showcases are going to be a must. Like I mentioned, uh, best cash prize our community has seen in the last 20 years, plus, uh, high level judges uh, I will I'm I'm trying not to brag but I'm gonna tell you guys to look at our judge lineup versus any other you know what I mean competition throughout the year and at least at least you gotta give props where props is due I'm gonna say that I can't speak on behalf of myself but man I'll speak on behalf of the judges that we bring out um, our camp is I mean I'm again I'm gonna give it up to the whole community our entire uh, community is is killing it. So I'm not going to say that other camps aren't freaking dope. They're nasty. And there's a lot of things that are available for every type of mover out there. Um, and, and no matter which one you choose, just make sure it's right for you. I promote all of them. But on um, being able to personally speak on behalf of the arena camp, uh, we powered with Building Block again. We partnered with them. Uh, and there's just phenomenal education resource because they're just um, masters and leaders of their craft and their craft is focused on education and that's what camps are supposed to be about. So aside from just like the high level production or the really hype and it teachers and choreographers or relevant movers, um, you know, there's a real, real strong focus on ed education through even educational blocks that have a cohesive and understood, like understood lining that lets the journey and the experience of every student that steps in um, have more of an evolution of what it means to be human that will in turn evolve the way that they move, not just going in there to physically improve themselves by way of uh, mastering new technique ability or ways to train or understanding and learning more movement vocabulary or repetitive training uh, or, or introduction to new styles by, by way of master teachers. Like those are all does that need to be happening at every major camp. Um, but the ones where like those educators, like we, really really make sure that the people that are coming in have a full range of offering um and have a full honestly like 
we've sat in classes with all of these teachers before to understand what it means to learn from them and, and to authentically pick up something that's more than just the movement that would give direction to a student. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is not to like tell them where to step, but rather tell them where they can step and how to step so that they can choose where to step that they want. You know what I mean? So like, I think that's a prideful thing that we put into uh, the way that we develop arena camp. Um, arena kids happening for the first time this year. That's a huge thing because like I said, the children are our future and more than ever. I mean, they're, they're way more popular than us on Instagram. Let's face it. They're not even the future of the present. We're the past. That's what it is. So we need, to, we need to focus on figuring out how to build, especially as the leaders and the adults who can do things like rent venues and open up bank accounts. We need, to, we need to build the right stages for these people to be on so they can understand what to do with this immense power they've been given. There's, there's like 15-year-olds out there that are being handed so much power. You know what I'm saying? Power, fame, and money. And there's nothing wrong with them having it. But like at the end of the day, like, what are what do you think a teenager is going to do with that power if they're not given the right platforms or the right mentorship? And we're just trying to do our best in an evolving sea of change uh, in the way that we were taught how and the way that we know how. Again, everybody's doing a great job. I, I'm, I give it up to our whole culture during this generation, but just shedding some light on the way that we understand the way that we see it because I think philosophy is really important when it comes to truly developing the mind uh, of someone. Yeah, when I attended um, the camp last year, just kind of like sitting in and seeing um, the teachers that were coming in, the way that they were conducting and structuring their classes, it wasn't, even for myself, it wasn't what I had expected. Um, sure, you're going to get the dopest movement for sure. That's kind of a given. But I think from the the level of um, wisdom that a lot of these teachers uh, bring to the table. They're not these, you know, young buck that haven't done anything. I mean, you know, you have some up and rising, you know, stars and stuff like that too. But I'm saying people that actually uh, understand their their um, their mindset, I guess. You know what I mean? And, and I think what I loved about um, seeing the camp uh, in its for me, it was unique, was uh, things like the, the the speaking panels and stuff like that. And I think what's great is that you mentioned these these younger kids that are not even the future, but are current, right, that are killing it, being offered all these amazing opportunities. And it's great, and we support that, and we love that because that's how it's supposed to go. Um, but we understand that we have years in the game, and, you know, many of us and many of the teachers that, that will come through that space have years in the game that – you can you cannot manufacture years. You that it's just you got to put it in, and then the stuff that you gain from it. And so what I what I love about what um, the Kinjas camp in, in, or the arena camp in my mind, uh, what it looks like is you're you're giving movement along with mentality, along with um, coaching, along with mentorship, along with um, community uh, building, and like there's a lot of. I mean, you and Keone taught like a really interesting class, you know, last year where. It was just like, I, I don't even, I mean, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but you just got to be there to understand what kind of an experience that is and opening people's minds to think like, okay, dance class is not just this, you know, or whatever I think it is, going to a dance studio or going to even a camp, I know what to expect. I think what I love about how Arena is kind of organically taking its own sort of personality 
you can't expect the same thing to happen every time because it's probably not going to because as as artists and as creatives um we're constantly evolving and so as we evolve we inject a lot of the things a part of our evolution into the events that we're even creating too so want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor Meister Watches. They are truly masters of their craft. From quality materials and masterful timepieces to functional lifestyle accessories for the movers and shakers of the worlds they collide with, Meister is doing it. They've collaborated with some of the biggest brands in sports, music, comic book, car culture and pop culture. We've actually had the pleasure of collaborating with them on a timepiece a few years back. I rock their ambassador watch. This one's my everyday watch. This one's my favorite. They are for our culture and for those that are on a constant mission to master their craft. Hop on to mstrwatches.com and pop in the discount code KINJUSPOD to receive 25% off your entire purchase at checkout. And this discount is exclusive to the Kinjas podcast. You won't find this discount anywhere. Hop on to mstrwatches.com and rock with the illest. This show is officially brought to you by Kinesthetic. Hop on the store.kinjas.com and plug in the promo code podcast spelled with the K at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. We're always trying to bring you guys the illest gear for all your movement in the shadows needs. Follow us on Instagram at kin.aesthetic. Like us on Facebook at Kinesthetic Brand. I know, I mean, we're talking future right now. Arena LA hasn't even happened. And I know right now we're kind of in the thick of kind of planning. Um, and, and, you know, this, this, this pod is actually happening at a great time because, um, you know, as you guys listen to this whole process of it, like there's a huge love and a huge like um, responsibility even I know that we put on ourselves to make sure that we're offering not only something that's dope, but something that we feel like is of absolute quality and of absolute like value to our community right think of it like this Uh, between arena kids and uh the arena adult competition and showcase this coming july 20th and 21st like we're 27 days away from that event and there's probably a thousand people dancers in our community that are working towards it right now you know what i mean like there are people that are that are in studios, that are in parking garages, that are in regular garages, that are in living rooms, that are in whatever, that are putting some sort of energy. And and the second you get uh, that many people, you know what I mean, in in one region that are like all putting energy and intention towards something, and and it's gonna all climax in one week slash weekend where not just them, but then thousands more people will come in to support an audience and thousands more people will stream in and then thousands more people will watch the social media unfold after that. Like, like getting in today's generation, thousands of people to put in energy to something and like continue to circulate that energy. That's a powerful thing. You know, and then, and then the only question you have to ask yourself after you have that power is like, what energy are they all feeling? You know what I mean? What kind of circulation is, is happening there? You know what I mean? Are people being fueled by competition? Are they being fueled by art? Are they being fueled by pride and ego? Are they being fueled by uh, hype? Are they being fueled by what? It doesn't matter because everybody's going to have a different answer, but it's just our job as the producer to make sure that it's authentic, that it's fair, that it's innovative, uh, and that it's just a good freaking time. So I, I'm just excited for 
what everybody has to bring to the table. Ken just has no idea what we're going to do yet, but like <laughs> that's normal. Technically, it's still June, so yeah. I mean, we'll ask ourselves in July. Yeah. Yeah, after the July 4th party, like yeah. that'll be when we start really working on it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And and, that, and that's an every year thing. Every yeah. year, the same questions that be coming up. People are going to ask themselves, artists are going to ask themselves how to reinvent themselves in order to get back on that stage. Uh, and then they're going to be over it. And then some other new artist is going to come in and they're going to constantly pick their hair out to figure out how they're going to reinvent themselves. And, and that's the cycle that we're, we're going to create so that people will constantly feel some sort of uh, new innovative artistry fueled by inspiration and passion yeah i love it man i mean speaking of reinventing though man so i feel like our um well you've been on our pod a few times and i feel like we've talked about kinja's origin stories and all that stuff so that stuff's like out the way and i feel um not even for our listening audience but i mean we're friends we talk a lot but i think um when i when i look at the kinja's like ecosystem as you mentioned and things like arena, things like dojos and complexes and all sorts of just stuff that we're constantly moving towards. Every year, like forget every year, every month is a new thing. And um, I mean, for our listeners, man, I don't know if people know. And I think this is kind of the beauty of what Kinja's is as a brotherhood. And we, you know, everybody, though, um, each individual is such a strong leader and an innovator and artist in their own right and we give kind of that whole sort of equal prop sort of thing but i think well permission to just kind of like get into a space where i want to highlight you know i don't think a lot of people understand like you know from what you and mike do for kinjas and a lot of the direction and a lot of the 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 places that we end up finding ourselves in moving towards um, not to say that it's 100% coming from you guys, but you are a leader of momentum. And I feel that, um, you know, everybody out there, especially in this current sort of climate, people want to know, like, what does it take to lead? How do you become a good leader? How do you, you know, yeah, there's the whole question of when I lose inspiration, what am I supposed to do as a leader and yada, yada, yada. So I'd love to just kind of even dip a little bit into just your personal space. I mean, you just turned 33, you know, life is always going. You you came in here hot, like, you know, it's, things are happening right now. You got stiff neck because you're just constantly <laughs> doing everything, bro. And, and like, just, I, I want to kind of get into just a little bit of that personal space of like Anthony Lee. I mean, not, not to gas you up too much, but this is my freaking show, man. I get to talk about my guests however the freak I want. Yo, man, and you are somebody that, dude, you inspire, I think you you inspire constantly, and I don't even think it's because you want to be this inspirational figure. I think it's just that's how you function, and you believe in things so passionately, and and then and you don't want to go by yourself. You know, you were like, yo, I want to ride with all you guys, so let's go, and, and you have this ability to rally folks um, towards a vision that's not your own, that you feel like... You ask the question all the time, like, what are we into right now? What, what's driving us? And, you know, even this coming up week, we're, we're trying to posse up the whole crew to be to see where everybody's at. Like, where is our collective vision? So, you know, I guess I kind of just want to bring it all back to in your current space right now as an artist to, you know, living life and life that's happening in your personal space to, you know, in the ecosystem of Kinja's, where are you at in terms of... Um, What's driving you? What's motivating you? What's keeping you hype right now? 
Mm. I know I said a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. dumped no, it all no. on you. Those are good words. Thank you for the good words. Yeah, yeah, that's a loaded question, man. Uh, Well, number one, the first part of that, like, how does it all work? I think um, just for people to know, uh, and this is you're about to get like dumped with a whole mess of like cliche. um, But if you're here, you're listening for a reason, probably. So take it from me. Uh, All of it comes down to respect. It's not about being like, you know, like who's the better leader or this and that. It's just high level respect. If everybody, at the end of the day, like I'm proud to say that you don't get on the squad unless like there's a high level respect that everybody has uh, for you as a person. Of course, there's no doubt, you know what I mean? And everybody who follows our journey, there's no doubt that a lot of the dudes that get on the squad are just, of course you would respect them as dancers, but there's also a lot of dudes that don't necessarily prioritize dances their full time that also make the squad too. So just uh, again, as a shout out to the idea of what it takes, uh, you know, for someone to join comes down to the, the idea that first is built on how we respect each other. When you respect somebody at that level, then when you even get into the cooperative space, whether it's dance artistry or any other artistry or not artistry, when it comes to like really working with a group of people, whatever your title, position, role or whatever it is, if you have high, high level respect for everybody in the room, then there's going to be a way that it will be carried out that will get it carried out. You know what I mean? You'll be able to execute if everybody can do that. There's respect in the ways that like um, if I have an idea and I'm like, yo, we could do this. And then if somebody else has an idea, like, well, I see it like this. It's like art is subjective. It's just a matter of like, who do we want to respect today? You know what I mean? If I had the idea last time, then I don't need the idea this time because we're going to have hundreds of millions of ideas for the rest of our lives. So this time it's cool. You can have, you know what I mean? It's just, I respect the process enough and I respect this joint collaborative space that it doesn't have to be one way or the highway all the time. So long as everything's every intention is based off of the collective as long as as long as we prioritize and we've always this whole thing was built on brotherhood so as long as we keep that at the forefront of like what we're doing then we're always going to at least answer the questions in the way that we intended we will never know what the answers are until we try but at least it would be based off of something that we can all stand behind and i think that's one of the most important things for any type of group of people to do they need to be able to have self-respect and respect towards each other to a way that they can understand one another and the basic foundation of what we were built as was to support each other you know what i mean like this was built kinjas was built so that we could support each other that's the most basic foundation way of saying everything that we do is has always been about supporting each other as much as i want to be like this you know like epic you know leader of the community and say things like yo we're out here creating art to inspire positivity if we cannot take care of ourselves we cannot keep doing that that's the absolute truth so we have to first and foremost be able to take care of ourselves if we want to take care of each other or anybody else that's like when you jump on an airplane and the oxygen mask comes down and they tell you to put your mask on yourself before they put it on your child they tell you to do that before your own freaking child you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a philosophy to what it means to be able to take care of another person, and that first coincides with taking care of yourself. So this was built in order for us to do that, and if we can't get into a space where we respect each other enough to support each other and take care of each other, then why are we even here doing this in the first place? You know what I'm saying? Like I think as long as we continue to stand by that foundation, I don't have to lead. I just need to keep on keep the flow going i like you said momentum it's just momentum i don't necessarily find myself in a room telling everybody what to do rather 
being the voice of conversation to help everybody discover what it is we all want to do together. And like that, that is a role that I fall into because, because there's other things that everybody else in the squad is way better than me at. And, but that just happens to be my role. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm just very thankful and humbled to be in a group of, uh, you know, be supported and be around a group of human beings that like just have high level respect. But to, uh, to touch on like what keeps the motivation alive today, even, um, I think it's a to be like really transparent and vulnerable. Like, I think Kijiz is in a very different place today than what it was even like four or five years ago. Yeah. When we first like you know turned it into a business to like really sustain ourselves and to like go out there and create artistry at levels that we would never be able to do by ourselves as individuals. All of our individual brands. When I was rocking my AL Anthony Lee logo, you know, work hard, stay humble, like. As, as much as I still believe in that to this day, it's like, that's a solo brand. I can only go so far. Or I can only get so many people interested in saying my name. Like, what does that even matter? Especially when I'm like dead. You know what I mean? Like how many people are gonna be out there like just pushing my name? And, and it's like, that's not what it's about. Like standing behind like an idea is something that so many more people can rally behind. And that's really how Kinja's came together in the beginning, right? We were like trying to do this what was a solo journey for many of us and bringing it into something that, that would mean more internally to ourselves and our lives and would mean more externally to everybody else around the world as well. Um, but even now it's different. Even now, now there's families that are like at the priority. Like even for me, like I care more about what happens to Jaden than what our next job is. <laughs> Outside of making sure the job will help, you know, right. you make sure that we're all taken care of. But, like, you know, uh, people are, you know, Keone's about to have a kid. JD's already got a kid. People are getting married. You know, we got Chad got engaged. I mean, uh, Gerald's engaged. And uh, Ryan just got married. Sean just got married. You know, uh, like, the, there's so much going on um, where Kendra's is now into a place where, like, I will never expect any of those dudes to put Kendra's at the forefront of their life because now they have somebody else in their life that they're supposed to do, like, go day and night for. You know what I mean? Um, and, and once you enter that realm of, like, building the individual family, our purpose shifts, too. It's not about just taking care of one another to take care of ourselves. It's taking care of one another so that they, we can take care of what really matters to us, our families and stuff. And like that's a new thing that we're learning as men, and I don't have the answers for it. I just recognize and respect the process and the journey that we're in right now, and we're at a changing time as we are men changing priorities in our lives. And Kinjas will evolve and mature based off of those things as well. Not to say it all revolves around marriage and children, but it all revolves around family. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. I mean, we we say kin at all costs for a reason, and I think those are just reminders for ourselves. Like these are our checkpoints, and like the things that we always have to dial it back to those things to make sure that every single move and decision that we make um, comes from that that yeah. space that we believe in. And, and I even want to give a shout out to like all the OG members of like Ombu Black Ops and Kinjas that maybe don't necessarily uh, dance full time now. We only see them like once or twice a year at random sessions or, or at our banquet or crusades or whatever. You know what I mean? But like Kinjas still would not be where it was or where it is if it wasn't for literally every impact, whether like an inch or a mile from everybody who's been a part of the squad or even just been connected to the squad you know what i mean because like everybody is a part of the evolution of us as men as human beings and and as what our journey in this life is about and like we would not be 
who we are and where we are without that influence, good or bad. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, man, I, you already know. So you're, I know you're in the same boat. We all look forward to those those moments that we get to bring everybody back into one space because to even see like an OG member is to remember our journey. And like, that's what this whole thing has always been about, the journey, not yeah. just the end, you know? You mentioned, um, you know, kind of needing to uh, be good within yourself before you can be good for anybody else. So um, to be honest, man, I feel like I don't even really know what your daily sort of self-care <laughs> routine is yeah. like because I feel like you're always doing something different. Do you have any sort of routine or doing like that you do regularly for your self-care? Oh, like man. what does your day look like? What's like an average day? You know, I think I do uh, what I do in my life in the same way that I like choreograph. I like I'm always searching for like Zen flow. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when I create, um, if I'm not creating out of flow, then chances are I'm like trying to make something happen. Mm -hmm. And if I can't succeed in that moment, then I eventually turn into I'm kind of forcing something. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of amazing, phenomenal innovators and creatives around the world that like have that mentality and that that kind of like I'm going to... I'm going to push through this. There's a wall right here, and I'm going to go head on straight mm -hmm. through it. For me, I'm like, oh, there's a wall right here. That's a nice looking wall. I'm going to go this way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, this yeah. wall's big today. I'm going to go over there. Yeah. Because that's just, uh, I, I like to, just my style, I like to be in flow with stuff. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I'm choreographing, if I get into a choreography block, I'll try a little bit. And then when I realize that I'm like stuck, I'm going to walk away. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go take a dump. I'm going to go eat. I'm going to go hit up a friend. I'm going to jump on Instagram. I'm going to play Clash Royale. Uh, I'm going to stop choreographing and, and come back to it later. I don't know. I'm going to do something because I love being in like this Zen flow where things are just coming out and like there's a naturalness to the way that the world is working for me in that moment. It's an energy thing. Mm -hmm. I can never anticipate when it's, it's not like a at 10 p.m. I, I usually lock on. I don't know. So I feel like when I come to that same feeling in all other realms of life when I'm like stuck when something like bothers me or when something like whatever I like take a second to myself and this happens a million times throughout the day because I want to approach that same obstacle or problem or excitement or event I want to approach it in flow and it's not going to be perfect but I'm always searching for like a zen flow to something mm. um, and I'll always respect that things aren't supposed to come easy. So if I can know that in the moment and be conscious of it and then take a moment to myself to find my flow before coming back in to tackle the problem, it totally helps me understand what I'm trying to accomplish based off of the outcome of what I'm doing it for versus the stress of the moment itself. Mm. And like again, I'm speaking in idealisms that this is how I overall get through my stuff but it, it's a every it's a flawed system. Every everybody's gonna have like tougher days than than, than the rest. You know what I mean? Um, but that's like my my day to day. And then I got my emergency fallback. And my emergency fallback uh, it always happens maybe like once every other year. And and you've seen this before too. But there are like moments where I like I just do not know how to handle it. And like it's just the hardest thing in the world. Whether you know whether it's a personal thing, a professional thing, or whatever. And, or I'm personally mental things too sometimes there are moments especially as an artist where you're just so hard on yourself um, let alone a business person who's trying his best to take care of his own employees and family members and stuff um, there are just moments where I don't feel like I can 
And the only thing that will save me is this little like thought realm that pops up in like the darkest of my moments where I always think about my closest friends and I, um, I, I just genuinely focus. I close my eyes and I hone in my image on who they are and their spirit. And I think to myself that if they are freaking dope people, and I think all of my friends are the illest friends in the world. I don't care who you are. My friends are iller than yours. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how I feel about my circle. And if they're that dope, then like, why would they be kicking it with me if I'm whack? That's like the one of the only things that like helps me get through the darkest places. I'm like, I cannot be that whack if I have dope friends that are hanging out with me. I even if I'm the wackest in the group, I still gotta be pretty cool to be hanging out with these types of people. So like that always is like the light. It's it's the people around me that is that is my personal shining light. It's it, it's the it's the friends and the family around me that constantly pour in the same type of love that keeps me motivated no matter what year of the game this is to push harder than anybody else I know. And I think it's, I wasn't born like a natural, most skillful at this type of thing. You know what I mean? I'm not like, uh, I'm not like the Michael Jordan of, of anything, but like I'm, I'm not even Kobe Bryant of anything, but I'll work really hard because that's something that people can't take away from me. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, you, you can't claim, I can't claim that I'm a natural at this or I'm better at anybody, especially in this art game. Like, man, I could easily say everybody's a better dancer and choreographer than me. That's easier for me to say that I'm better than most people. But I for sure, for sure, because it's objective to know that there's 24 hours a day, I know that if I work longer and harder than everybody else, then I'm going to get results. And that's the only thing that I can put by it. So that's where my motivation comes from. I can attest to that, man. I think just running with you the past, you know, five years, especially professionally. Um, but, you know, I mean, I've seen the evolution of you as as a even just from a friend standpoint. Okay, Ben Chung was sitting in my apartment in like 2000 and like five or six <laughs> or seven. I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, no, 2005, remember I was asking for your advice. I was choreographing my audition routine for CADC. I remember that. Going yeah. into 2005's year. This is like September, October, because auditions were around that time. And like, I, I don't know how to choreograph. That's like not a thing that people, you know what I mean? Like, I maybe at this time, quote unquote, choreographed or was responsible for choreographing like two things in my life. One was like a lip sync performance my senior year of high school, which was like terrible, I'm sure. <laughs> and then another thing was like maybe a small section from my like Casa Dance Off that like we totally lost our freshman Casa Dance Off, me, Mike, and Victor uh, in 2004. Yeah. So like by 2005, I'm like trying to audition for CADC and like, this dude, Ben Chung, comes into my apartment, and this was like a walking legend at the moment already, especially in like the straight up ISO hip hop realm that like, you know, guys like me and Mike Song were a huge fan of. So like, I'm like, man, like you're literally, especially for me to like, I'll at least confidently now, what, what is that, 15 plus years later, I'll at least now look at you and be like, hey, I'm a choreographer. <laughs> but you were there when I was not. I was very much so not, you know what I mean? We we found these two square mirrors in the dumpster outside of our apartment, and we picked them up and had to, and, and like, Clorox them, and then we leaned them against, you know what I mean, the yeah. wall in our living room. And then we went to Home Depot, and we bought this linoleum because we thought that was the B-boy thing to do. 
And then when we first put the linoleum on the garage outside, you know, we're like cars parking is oily. Yeah. We're also like Asian about it. We're like, man, this is going to get our expensive linoleum dirty because we got the premier shit. So we ended up just putting the linoleum on the carpet in the living room. Yeah. And that's how we created like most of everything we did in our entire college career. But like that was when I was... I had no right or thought to claim the idea of being a choreographer. Rather, it was an assignment to create some sort of performance during that moment. So I accepted the task because I was auditioning. Mm. You know what I mean? And I mean, 15 years later, it's like, I could say the only thing that stayed consistent, you know what I mean, that time was being around inspiring and supportive people Mm. and then working my ass off. Yeah, It's no secret to it. Yeah, man. I mean, it, you're still doing it. I mean, you mentioned 15 years. I mean, though it sounds like a long time, but like it's flown by, you know what I mean? It's flown by. And just seeing, again, just seeing your growth through that just as a man and as an artist, as a as a businessman and an entrepreneur, like, and, and being able to see what's being created right now, man, I think it's, it's uh, it, it's it inspires me. We keep talking about how inspiration comes full circle. And I think that's what's amazing about it. Because I think, you know, when you feel like you're tapped out, it'll come back around and find you again, you know, and, and from people and from places that you'd probably least expect it. So sure, I give man. it up to you, man. I give it up. Um, but we want to lightning round you up in classic Movement in the Shadows podcast form. So I'm going to fire off some questions. Fire off. And you just got to go. Right, Here we go. Like lightning. We'll edit it out. Three, two, one. Most memorable year. <laughs> How do you even lighten that? Uh, <laughs> the first thing that randomly comes to my mind was in 1994, I was, uh, me and my parents and my sister went to Las Vegas for New Year's. And it was the first time I was uh, celebrating New Year's in Vegas, but like as a, what, an eight or nine year old kid at the time. I wasn't really aware of a lot. So the most standout thing I remember was like you were being in like the Las Vegas strip yard on the street. You know what I mean? You yep. live in Vegas. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. And you know how they have all those little call girl cards on the floor? <laughs> yeah. But like as an eight or nine year old, like you can't really, in the crowd of people, you can't really see up. Right. So you look down. And when you look down, you just see all these little stars on like girls' nipples and stuff like that as like an eight. <laughs> oh my God. I just like, that was etched into my brain Whoa. as like a New Year's thing. Okay, so that's the first thing that came to my mind, but that's, that's for sure not the most. <laughs> that's like a terrible answer. This is a lightning but that situation. Came out first. This is the first thing that that's came to my mind. That's why lightning round is important, man. Yeah, but I don't care. Yeah, honestly, there's no better answer than that right now. We better move on. Yeah, let's stick to that. I'm down for that one. What is your proudest moment? Oh, that's. That's super hard to say. I think, um, man, there's so many things flashing through my my eyes right now. I'm seeing all of our moments uh, on, on stage for all of our TV shows. I'm really also getting hit. I'll, I'll get lightning round, so I'll just spit this out. I'm, I'm really getting hit by um, when I had to direct a Culture Shock's benefit show. Um, I believe it was my first year as a director on Coach Shock LA. It was like 2012 or something like that. And we did a show called Roy Meets World. Mm. Uh, and it was like kind of loosely based off of Paulo Coelho's uh, The Alchemist. And we did this journey, you know, this kind of like journey of a man, if you will, who like goes on this you know, journey from his home through these seven stages of life um, and then finds his way back at home and stuff. But uh, I remember, you know, going from like the mini shock you know, it, it was like a mini shot kid who first wore the same outfit and then it turned into like a mighty shot kid and like a future shot kid and a culture shock, you know what I mean? And I ended up being like uh, the closing character of this guy, Roy, who like meets the world, if you will, and then coming back. And I remember this moment on stage when we're doing like the finale. Uh, and of course, you know, to to my surprise, like a, gr- a f- 
full-on standing ovation at the the Ford Amphitheater for a, a non-profit benefit show. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, getting a standing ovation is one thing, which is already rare and phenomenal in its own right. But to get one at, like, a, a non-profit benefit show, and, like, when you look to your right and your left, you're seeing, like, little kids that are just so happy for what that they like accomplished and like their parents in the crowd and 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 i don't know it just felt like all the right reasons to dance you know what i mean Mm -hmm. versus so much of the humdrum that oftentimes like uh inadvertently fuels what we do and why whether it be in search of success or in search of a statement or in search of like innovative art or whatever like this was such a pure moment um and it just made me proud to be doing what i do tight man tight Legit, man. What would be uh, a dream artistic venture for yourself? Dream artistic venture. Oh, man. Um, I got a taste recently when I was working on a a concert tour for a German pop artist named Helena Fischer through 45 Degrees, which is an offshoot. Uh, a Cirque du Soleil. So we got a chance, me and Ving were the choreographers for that. We got a chance to go to like Montreal, work at Cirque, Cirque du Soleil headquarters. And then we went out to Germany to like build the whole show and creative and, and all that stuff. Uh, worked under a freaking phenomenal and awesome creative director, Mukhtar. Um, and he really inspired and taught us a lot in that time frame. And if, I hope one day that I'll be in that seat where I'll be able to creatively direct, whether it be a concert, whether it be a theater production or something. I hope to produce something at that high level production and that high level budget. I've been on a number of those things, but to be the point person, to be the quarterback and to be the visionary of those things is a daunting task that I've, I've never yet truly experienced the weight and pressure of. And to understand kind of like, you know, to test myself, I would love to like see myself in that position one day. Sick. What is your guilty pleasure? Clash Royale. <laughs> Why did I know you Clash Royale. Honestly, like, <laughs> dang, man, that, that's a drug, bro. Like, yeah, playing that game is the man. most fun and terrible thing. I feel more emotions doing that sometimes than, like, <laughs> than, like dancing sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I man. I feel you, man. I feel you. Um, yeah. What is your go-to turn-down method? To turn like, down to like, like chill yeah, out. Yeah, it's like, I'm my day's done. <laughs> Clash Royale again, there, there bro. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Start the day, end the day, man. Just chill out. Who is next up? In any version of anything? In any version of anything. Who is next up? Logan. I agree. Yeah, I feel I like feel she's like, already up. She's I feel, yeah, I feel like it. we're yeah. we're having this conversation on this podcast and like everybody just needs to know it's Logan. Yeah. I feel like Logan's been talked about the most on this show. The most by, by yes. By all the guests that have come on, anytime I ask, some oh, forget sort of it. I don't want to talk about it. Then who else? <laughs> who else hey, is it's, next, it's honest lightning, bro. You know lightning. who else? Then who else? Fucking Charles. Hey, let's go, Charlie. You're in the next room choreographing up a storm right now. Charles, right now, to me, is like one of the most impressive guys out there. Hell yeah, yeah. People, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna confidently say people don't know how insanely powerful this dude is. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like when we talked about with like Pat Cruz and stuff, like yeah. people don't actually know how phenomenal Pat is because most of his real high level skill is like in the shadows. It's right. like in the rehearsal space. Yeah. It's when yeah. he's like the general, right? Charles is very similar in a totally different way. He doesn't necessarily lead through like words of that action. Mm-hmm. He'll lead in a totally different way. He's 
Like, if you have Charles in the room or on a job, everyone is guaranteed to have a good time. I won't <laughs> tell this guy to his face, or maybe I will, but there are times where Charles will be on a job because we know that everyone will have a good time. <laughs> Every team in the world needs a Charles. And the thing yeah. is, not ne- the audience might not necessarily always receive that, but it's a high-level power. Yeah. It is high-level. And, and it's, man... This guy is like the best in the game yeah. at being a teammate. And I, I again, if there was like a Red Bull BC one of teammate members, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just like the the yeah. the guy that maybe people don't understand yep. is like the highest level power, like fucking level nine thousand. Yeah, it would be Charles. And hey. only now does he have one his sexiest moment ever on stage in his That's entire dance say, career, man. man band. His most recent video is the most mature expression I've ever seen yeah. from his movement. Not to mention that his physicality has improved. He's been working out consistently for a year now since Arena last year, since he like totally confessed that he was like not physically where he wanted to be. And he started hitting the gym like crazy, like a psycho. He's a phenomenal mover now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like sucking this fool's balls right now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Shout out Charlie, man. Killing it right now, dude. I agree with all of it. Uh, less of more of. What would you want to see less of in the world and also more of in the world? I mean, I think it would be... It's hard to say because I'm, I'm going to give this with a disclaimer at the same time, which is no fun, but at the same time I'm going to say it because I think it's more fun than just like an idealist answer. But like, I think our dance community is really pillow soft. And it would be so freaking fun if like our dance community was more like sports mm. where like there would be like segments or shows where like radio announcers or sports commentators would like not just promote certain amazing things like highlights of the season mm-hmm. but also roast certain things mm. just because i feel like that would be such a fun and fueling place but you know again the difference is like this is like artistry yeah. and this meddles with people's like true messages and souls and stuff so we can't but imagine how fun it would be to like have a talk show with I don't care anybody who's out there who's edgy or who doesn't give enough uh, you know what I mean who's down to lip off a little bit but can back it up because they're like hella actually talented yeah you know what I mean just talking about the state of things whether it be like Instagram videos uh recent dance trends who killed it or who didn't at a competition who wore it best you know what I mean uh who ripped this song harder because that's always a thing you know um I mean, it would be so fun to just talk about random shit, you know yeah, what I mean? I the only, again, the only problem is, you know, you know, we have a very pillow soft artistic community that I, I totally respect, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it would be fun to see uh, more of those types of things and less of like the sensitivity. But I know that that's also what makes us uh, so inclusive and that's yeah. what makes our culture what it is. So I respect it. It would just be funny. Hey man, we could turn this into that too. I don't nah, know. I'm not doing that. So let, less feeling, pillow you know? soft, more. We could do more. that for Kinjas. I'll talk shit on Kinjas all day and get roasted by them. <laughs> but same thing, I'll be sensitive too. It's like we'll, we'll like talk shit to each other, and then somebody else will have a show, and they'll talk shit on me, and then I'll be like, "What Dang, the fuck?" We all just have our own shows where we just talk crap about each other. Yeah, man, that'd be fun. Um, I think we we got into your golden rule last time when we had you and Mike on. If you guys haven't heard that, get back to that episode and listen to that. But I want to know what you would want your legacy to be? Man. I don't don't have... I don't have, like, an answer 
for that. Um, but I guess that's more of a testament to like the idea of like, I don't know, maybe, maybe the answer is like everybody out there should go and find their legacy. Like for me, I have a problem with like just existing. You know what I'm saying? I have a problem with, uh, this is a personal thing. Like it's hard for me to have like habitual routine that lasts forever. Mm. It's hard for me to like settle into an idea of how I'm gonna see the rest of my life and like this is how it's gonna play out. Cause it never happens the way I think it's going to. It never, life never happens that way. So I think like just the ability to adapt and continue to find and mature and evolve what you're seeking in life and your legacy, I think like that's that's what people really need to get in tune with. Mm. You know what I mean? Like this is a changing world. We're changing people, you know, and no matter how much our, our values and our foundations will still be the pillars and stay the same, the whole world changes. So as long as everybody's always willing to be open and adapt and finding purpose, you know what I mean? Then like it's, it's gonna be a joyous journey. Mm. I'm I'm a fucking student. I have no idea anything. I don't know anything. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm just gonna the only things I know is like what I love, who I love. Um I've learned what is not so good for people. Therefore I try to stay away from those things. I try not to say things that are not so good for people. But other than that, like if I can live a happy, healthy life, if I can provide a happy, healthy life, and if everybody around me like has a good time in life because they're around me that's all i really care about man i gotta say that's an amazing legacy i mean as much as you feel like you're not sure what your legacy would be i think from again from your friend and from you know that an outside perspective i view you as a person who constantly upholds and um puts at the highest level um the idea of being a student and I think you, you've always been the type of person to want to learn I don't feel like you ever come off as like I already know all about that there's nothing else for me to learn there and I think whether that be um in dance whether that be in in life you know I think you're you're always searching for um a way to grow and I think that speaks volumes you know I think people don't do that naturally people need to learn that because they need to understand how valuable that is. And I think if I were to see what you're currently doing and how your life, what your life is exuding, it's already that. And I feel like, you know, you know, if and when Anthony Lee passes from this place, I think that would be what people remember you for. And um, I gotta say, man, just, you know, I, I always give you, you know, props like, you know, here and there, but I think in a space like this, I think for our audience that may not know, because you are, you know, we talk about movement in the shadows, man, I feel like you're constantly in that space. You're constantly in the space of, I don't care, you know, to get the shine. I just want this to be the best. And I want this to be the best, not for just me, but for like literally everybody involved and everybody that's gonna receive it out there, you know? And I think, um, the way that you function in that space, yeah, it's often not gonna get the spotlight, but I think here's where we spotlight things like that, you know what I mean? And, and um, you inspire me as a, as a friend, as a, as a creative, as a, as a business partner, and um, I'm just excited, man, to see how, um, sure, as Kindra's evolves, because you're obviously, like I said, a captain of momentum in that space, but just even 
how you're gonna continue to evolve as an individual, man. So, um, yeah, man, just wanna show you some love, bro, you, and, and shout you out, you, you know, know, on, know in this platform, again, especially because you throw out the love like that. But like, I'm, I'm, you know, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for everybody else. Uh, I was taught everything that I know. Um, I wouldn't be a teacher if I didn't have my students. I wouldn't be a Kinja if I didn't have my brothers. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like we all play our cog and. And I'm just happy to have a part to play. And I just like uh, hope that I can keep on helping to f help other people find the part that they play. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what's up, man. Well, dude, and thanks for coming on, dude. We got, yeah, we talked about Arena LA coming up July, uh, uh, Arena Kids July 20th, Arena uh, LA the Adults 21st. 21st at the Soraya. Um, guys, thank you guys so much for following our journey. Um, if you're tuning into this episode by itself, subscribe. We have a lot of other cool episodes with a lot of amazing guests talking about all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, we're on all your podcast platforms, uh, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, we're on there. And if this is adding any sort of value to your life, please leave us a five-star rating, write us a review. Um, share it on your social media. That's really like the only marketing that we really do for this is you guys sharing it. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, at Kendra's Podcast, cast with a K. Show notes with all the cool video links and every little cool thing that we talk about. All the details are in our show notes at kendras.com slash podcast. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the DMs. I love reading all your guys' stuff, the stuff Slide that you're learning. Slide in the DMs. I read them all and I regram the crap out of all of them. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys at Arena. Yeah? Peace. Kids are blind.